everybody and by everybody i mean still zero people but that's okay we uh you know when i start at seven not really that many uh, not really that many people show up yeah maybe i should start at seven thirty, but it's hard because the kids and the wife get home and so it's an issue so I either start at 7 and have less people come. Or uh, I start later and uh, everybody says hi. Also, before I say anything else, guys. By this point, if you come to this podcast, you know the drill. <laughs> Hello, Laura. She's first to comment. You need to, one... Not you specifically, Laura, just so we're clear. Um, you need to like this video, share the video. That would help me out. Follow me on Instagram at bro. Here's the thing. And on Twitter at devastated 48. My, uh, my Twitter video of the podcast last week got 150 views, which I mean, could really add up to 150 seconds of watch time from 150 different people but the point is is that the video actually gets posted and viewed now which is amazing so maybe i just keep doing what i'm doing anyway guys um pretty pretty awesome stuff if you've read the title of the video you'll see that uh, i found the best immunity the best way to get immunity for everything anthony fauci dr fauci is going to explain to us Pre-COVID era, how to get the best immunity. Do you want to see? Because I want to see. It's only 28 seconds of footage. Here he is. Look at him. Look at him. All right, let's see what uh, he has to say. Uh, but she's had the flu for 14 days. Should she get a flu shot? Well, no. If she got the flu for 14 days, she's as protected as anybody can be because the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah, he said that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he really did. The best, the best vaccination is to get infected yourself. The best. He said it. There it is. I mean, I know we're past this because hashtag Russia bad. But I think it's going to be important to keep seeing this stuff and keep looking at it because it's just they're not going to let us forget. And I mean, I didn't bring up this article, but you've seen what cases look like right now in China. But like 87 percent of them are asymptomatic. There's an outbreak in China right now. And so that is should be concerning to us. Because, well, I mean, you know, who knows if the whole, uh, if the whole war with Russia thing doesn't pan out the way they want, maybe, uh, maybe COVID comes back. Anyway, guys, yeah, the best vaccination is communion. I think that's only, um, I think that's only if you sh do the shared cup wine thing. Uh, Laura says, obviously, that was before he became Dr. Mangala. No, see, funny story. Um, he's kind of been like Dr. Mangala for a long time. If you look into how the AIDS virus was spread and the advice that he was giving to prevent it, uh, there could be a good argument being made that he actually helped perpetuate uh, HIV much and make it much worse than it had to have been so he's pretty terrible anyway 
So this is very old footage. Well, it's not that old. I mean, he still looks very old, but let's finish. And so she if, not she get re- it? if she really has the flu, if she really has the flu, she definitely doesn't need a flu vaccine. <laughs> if she really has the flu. She right. should not get it again. No, she doesn't need it because the, it, it's, the be, it's the most potent vaccination is getting infected yourself. There it is. Uh, but she's had the flu for... Okay, so it's restarting. Now... Um, Sean Dana is commenting. What does he say? Omicron is and of itself a form of a vaccine. A few days ago, the CDC and Bill Gates admitted admitted that natural immunity is superior to the mRNA vaccines. Yes, I I believe I played played uh, Doctor Bill. Uh, I, I believe I played him saying that on this podcast. So that's it. I just wanted to show you guys that. Now, what is next? is uh, from the National Post, and it is more, just more confirmation that they're now telling us what we already knew, that there there are going to be issues. And, 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 and now you have real mainstream news coming out and saying this stuff. So it's, the article reads like this, who, World Health Organization, Pfizer vaccine, potentially linked to hearing loss. The most reported COVID-19 vaccines in these cases were Pfizer slash BioNTech, the WHO newsletter stated. And wait, who's the behind the Pfizer one? Oh, that's right, Bill Gates. And of course, it's still worded like it's not that bad, but we'll go on. The World Health Organization has published a report citing extremely rare instances of hearing loss and other auditory issues following injection of the COVID-19 vaccine. Hey, there's Jada Pinkett Smith. The health agency, sorry guys, if you're listening to this on audio, I'm narrating what's in the ad sometimes, sorry. Anyway, the health agency was notified that Tinnitus, a hearing problem that causes ear ringing, may be associated with the vaccines. So they're admitting that it causes tinnitus. Now, that is a new one for me. I have never heard that personally, but there you go. Gregory Poland, MD director of the Mayo Clinic's Vaccine Research Group in Rochester, Minnesota, says he developed tinnitus after receiving his second dose of the V. I know I've said the vaccine word a thousand times, but... I try to do it as much as possible. In an interview with MedPage today, he recounts nearly veering out of his lane, driving back from the hospital after receiving his second dose. It was like someone suddenly blew a dog whistle in my ear, Poland told the medical journal. It has been pretty much unrelenting. That's awful. Poland has been experiencing what he describes as life-altering tinnitus. He said of his own symptoms that he can only begin to estimate the number of times I just want to scream because I can't get rid of the noise or how many hours of sleep I've lost, he said. The noise he hears is particularly loud at night when there is no masking sounds. As a vaccinologist, he still believes in the importance of getting jabbed despite his side effect. Fearing the possibility of contracting COVID and spreading it to his patient, patients, he opted to receive a booster. <laughs> so this guy has permanent ear rigging that keeps him up at night, and he went and got a booster shot because he doesn't want to give his patients COVID. Get COVID! COVID's better than that! Stop! If you feel sick, go home. Bro, your doctor? Call in sick! You have paid sick days! This is unbelievable. The Mexican blanket shirt is epic, bro. It is. It is a Mexican blanket shirt. That is what it is. It is not the same fabric, but it is Mexican fabric themed. Um, the shirt is called the Lolo. And if you can see the logo up close, hold on. If you can see the logo up close, which you can't, it's like the front end of a low rider of like a low rider car. So 
very Mexican themed, although it might be Mexicans more from like, say Los Angeles, not Mexico, but whatever. Anyway, what? Whoa. Are you kidding me right now? Do you see this ad that just popped up? So we're talking about the shirts and the ad switches to Dixon flannels, which cats out of the bag. These are the brand of, of flannels I buy. Anyway, guys, not sponsored by them. So that's as much of their time as, as much of my time as they get. <sighs> Here he goes on. <laughs> Sorry. Yawn. What has been heartbreaking about this as a seasoned physician are the emails I get from people that this has affected their life so badly. They have told me that they are going to take their own life pull and said, and he's still got a booster. He has patients saying, I want to kill myself because of what this shot did to me. But he still went and got a booster, even though he's read these emails. The WHO reported 367 cases of tinnitus and 164 cases of hearing loss among the 11 billion vaccine administered. See how they want you to, like, we're telling you that there's symptoms, but we really want to make sure that you know that it's almost no one's going to get them. Anyway, you get it. They're still kind of lying to us. Or whatever. I can't keep going on. Anyway, guys, we're moving on. We have... A lot to cover, uh, and by a lot, I mean something long. Um, as you know, last week, we started listening to Dave Ramsey's uh, message, speech, from Elevation Church. And I think it's important that we go through as much of this as we can. Um, I was going to, once he got to his main points, I was going to stop, but his, his points, he is such a good orator that his, as he flows into his points, they're all still just part of his story. And so. We might end up listening to the whole thing. So we're at the 16-minute mark. Um, we're at the 16-minute mark. Uh, he is... Uh, uh, I listened to 20 minutes ahead of this in advance. And and uh, and so I don't know what the ending sounds like still. But um, I wrote down some Bible verses that he quotes... And I want to show you guys something that he does. Actually, let's make it full screen. Because uh, he does eventually pull out a Bible and he uses it as, a, as one of his props, basically. Tyrant on parade. You got a big... So he's talking about how, um, just for clarification, he's talking about how if you have money, once you get money, it will simply magnify what you already are. So if, you're, if you have a bad temper, you'll be more temper-filled. If you have a big... Uh, heart you'll be really giving so money magnifies what you already are i'm not even going to speak on that that might be true for most people i don't know it's probably a a, a real observation i i don't know big gentle compassionate heart and you get money you can change the world Whatever you are and you get money, it's going to magnify it. So beware of that. It's not going to solve your problems. There's all kinds of data points all throughout our culture that prove that. You can see. So money is not going to solve all your problems. I agree. Okay, we're on to something. People who didn't have it and they got money and it messed up their lives. Money makes you more of what you already are. And by the way, if... if it makes your people around you more what they are too. Like people in your family, like the crazy ones, they get crazier. And everybody's got crazy in their family. And if you don't think you got crazy in your family, that means it's you.
So we're cruising along, doing really good things. Life is good. We're in our 20s. We meet Jesus on the way up. I do everything backwards. And, and man, life, is, you know, we've got babies. Um, I just want to point out that he said, we meet Jesus on the way up. I do everything backwards. And I'm not really sure what that means. I guess I, I, I would imagine what he means is most people, sorry, most people meet Jesus on the way down, I assume is, is what he means. I don't know. And, oh my goodness, things are good. And I had done some stupid things. How many of y'all ever done something stupid with money? How many of you didn't raise your hand to have a problem with lying? <laughs> we all have, darling. If you've made mistakes with money, that makes you over 12. <laughs> Only I did it with zeros on the end, as I told you. I borrowed a ton of money. We had a million dollar net worth, but we had three million dollars in debt. And we were doing flip this house before Chip and Joanna were born, okay? So before cable TV was there to tell you how to do it, right? And so we were doing flip this house. I had a lot of short-term notes, and the bank got sold to another bank. And a guy in another city looked down and said, there's a kid, 26 years old, owes us a million dollars, million two to be exact. Uh, let's limit this relationship, which is banker talk for ruin his life. And they called our notes. And the short version of the story is another lender heard we were in trouble because we were in trouble after that. And they called our notes and we had $2 million due in 120 days all tied up in real estate. That started a crash that took two and a half years to unfold that no matter what I did, I couldn't stop it. I was always taught if you have a problem, just work harder. Doesn't matter if you dug that big a hole and you got that level of stupid, working harder won't fix it. It was coming down around my head. The Jenga blocks were crashing. It was a mess. I had built a house of cards because I was stupid. I didn't know I was stupid. I thought I was smart, but I was stupid. It changed my life. I remember standing in the shower with it so hot. I could just barely stand there, and I would just stand there and cry. I was so scared couldn't breathe. I have a toddler and a brand new baby. My marriage just hanging on by a thread. Sharon's from the hills of East Tennessee, y'all. <laughs> Frying pan throwing there is an Olympic event. And finally, we hit bottom and filed bankruptcy. So I met God on the way up. But church, I'm here to tell you, I got to know him on the way down. I'd already been saved. I'd already been baptized. But I had an I surrender all moment. So pay attention to this. I had already been saved. I had already been baptized. Even the emphasis on being baptized, I guess, relying on his public confession. But then he says, and then I had a real I surrender all moment. So let's just hear what he says. Now I'm not talking about a Baptist altar call. I'm talking about ever been completely on your face and you say, I quit. I get. He says, I'm not talking about a Baptist altar call, which is interesting because I'll let him say this, but he's actually going to go on and describe exactly what happens at a Baptist altar call. I surrender. You are now the Lord. You are now in charge. I apparently got nothing. Okay, so... Right there, he has an I surrender all moment and says, you are now Lord. Um, so I have entire podcasts dedicated to this issue. Um, what he's stating here is the non-lordship view of salvation, which is you can get saved and be a follower of Jesus and want to like 
love him or whatever. You've been saved by him. But it, there comes another point in your life where you will make him Lord. Um, that is... That is not true. That is not what the Bible says. In fact, even saying I am a follower of Jesus implies something. If you become a Christian, you are a follower of Christ. What happens? What is a follower? What would make someone a follower? What would be the distinguishing feature of a follower? Obedience. Those who follow Christ desire to be obedient. And so... This <clears throat> distinguishment, so to speak, <laughs> between, sorry, I got distracted by something outside my window. This distinguishing between when I got saved and when I made Jesus my Lord, this is not a biblical thing. And, um, and, uh, Lordship in his I hope you never have to get beat up that hard to get to that point because that's a now you'll notice he's got a Bible out um and I'm gonna point out to you what he actually does with this thing uh because it's not it's he doesn't actually read from it. He uses it as a prop in his memorized speech. Um. Heart decision, and you could just make that decision. But I started deciding, okay, if it's in here, it's real, and the rest of the stuff I'm not listening to because I listened to my finance professor in college who taught me to borrow money, and he was broke. What's wrong with that picture? I mean, that's like a shop teacher with missing fingers, right? <laughs> Broke finance professor. So he really is a great speaker, though. Like, I, I could listen to his speech and uh, be emotionally gripped by it. Um, but that doesn't mean it should be at a church on a Sunday preaching as as the preaching of the worship service anyway he's gonna flip to some stuff here so i'm gonna learn how to live because i didn't know how to be a husband i didn't know how to be a daddy i didn't know how to be a man and so I, i'm I, you know marriage so submit yourselves one to another oh crud so you'll notice um submit yourselves one to another it's from uh, Ephesians 5, uh, Ephesians 5.21, and being, uh, wait. Yeah, and being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. So, he's quoting the King James Version. Um, but you'll notice, what I wanted to point out here is, notice where he's open to in that Bible. Now, I'm going to hold up something for comparison. Um, it's, it's not a, it's not a church. <clears throat> uh, Josh Cree says Dave Ramsey is the man. Dave Ramsey is the man at getting you out of debt. Um, he's also the man at, uh, teaching you word of faith light. Now notice he quoted Ephesians five. Uh, notice where he is in the Bible. He is dead in the middle of it. That means he didn't like air. So let's make that small. This is Ephesians five in a, in a Bible. Notice how thin that one side is. That's cause it's at almost at the end of the Bible. Um, so he didn't actually need to flip it open. Yeah. He's in Jeremiah, yeah, or something, like, in that area, right? Um, and he does this multiple times. Um, you're going to see. You're, you're going to see what he does. 
That means I got to dry dishes. That means I'm going to serve. Um, let's see here. Always giving thanks. I'm in Ephesians 5.20. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Um, I'm not sure if that directly applies to doing dishes, but... Um, I mean, it would be a section about serving. It's nah, it's yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm not gonna nitpick this one because I didn't really look into that that much, so I'm I'm not gonna nitpick it. But let's see what he does next. My wife, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, and so we'll see. He's like dead middle. Of the Bible. He's already a little bit past the middle. You know, well, this isn't Isaiah. Okay, so it's a little bit smaller. And then he flips more to the right again. So he's actually going deeper into the prophets, most likely. Uh, I can't know for, sh for sure. Uh, yeah, if I'm looking, if I go to Proverbs, let's go to Proverbs. Sorry, I missed it. I just... Okay, so... I'm at Proverbs 22. Mm, uh, yeah, it could be there. And if you're listening to this on audio, I'm literally comparing the thickness of the Bible that he's holding and 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 looking at the fact that he didn't actually flip to the verses that he's reading out of a physical bible he's just got the speech memorized and so why is he holding why is he holding the bible for dramatic effect and so even this you know it's not like the worst thing ever and i might get accused of nitpicking or something but even this is like a false a false um, image of, of, of who he is. He doesn't, he has those Bible verses memorized. He could just say them. They're part of his speech. Instead, he's pretending to flip to them and he's not. So why? Just because there's a, an effect of flipping through the Bible publicly, I guess. I, I don't know. He will have no lack of gain. <clears throat> hmm. My kids are like, Dad, what's this rod stuff? And I'm like, come here, baby, I'll show you. <laughs> 2,500 scriptures dealing with money and possessions. Proverbs alone will give you a master's degree in finance. It'll show you everything you need to know. And it's not just a Bible thumper. So first of all, he's got a fake leather Bible, which I just believe that Dave Ramsey would be rocking something leather i don't know i don't know i don't know that's just me maybe i'm ridiculous who knows maybe dave ramsey's wealthy because he's cheap and he doesn't buy 300 hundred dollar bibles <laughs> maybe i should take notes um hold on i'm gonna go back here for a second i want to see what he says 500 scriptures dealing with money and possessions that's right 2,500 scriptures dealing with money and possessions. So I would imagine that the vast majority of those are not verses teaching you how to look after finances. They're just verses that mention money or finances, right? I mean, think about how much stuff in the Old Testament talks about gold and treasure that would have nothing to do with teaching you about finances. Now he's going to talk about Proverbs. Proverbs alone will give you a master's degree in finance. That, I get what he's saying. Um, maybe we should go through Proverbs and, and look at all the verses that talk about finances. Uh, that's actually a really interesting subject to look into um, because Proverbs is to teach you 
how to live. That's that's one of the reasons it exists. So he's 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 at least right about that, I'm sure. It'll show you everything you need to know. And it's not just a Bible thumper. You can study that with your intellect as well as with your spirit and you'll see it. So it's that so I have a problem with that statement. Um think about this. He separates it as like an either or thing. You're a Bible thumper who uses or reads the Bible with their spirit. You don't have to be though. You could use your intellect as well. I I mean, I don't know what he's saying here. Is he saying that we're, we're not like, like if you're spirit filled that you're not using your intellect usually is that what he's implying i don't know there so we hit bottom and we had the opportunity to start again god's ways and we decided okay we're going to start handling money marriage leadership business kids if I can find it in here, this is the way we're doing it. I can't always find it. Insurance isn't in here. I can't find it. And so that's that's true and good. You should want to do things the way the Bible says, right? You should. But I still buy insurance. So it's not everything's in there. But I, I, I'm going to do it if I can. And you know what? That's 35 years ago, y'all. And 30 years ago, we went broke. And it's worked out. <laughs> oh my goodness has it worked out oh my goodness it turns out that God's ways of doing things work hello they work so keep that in mind though if you just do he is <clears throat> Is he guaranteeing that if you do everything the Bible says when it comes to finances that it that you will be wealthy? Is 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 that what he's implying? Because I don't think that that's necessarily true. Um I don't think that everyone is going to be wealthy if they do exactly what the Bible says. Because things happen that are out of our control that God puts in our lives to test us. And I don't believe that the natural state of the believer is to be wealthy. We are to actually not like we're to avoid being wealthy, right? Not, not avoid it. Like you're, you're allowed to be wealthy. That's not what I mean. It's, it's, it's hard. You're, you're not supposed to be pursuing wealth. And he wouldn't say that that's what you're doing either in his defense. But I just think that he could be giving people the wrong impression. That's all. So I got a bunch of, I got, we got yesterday, I looked at our thing. We've got 1,162, or I'm sorry, 1,062 people working on our team right now. Yeah. Bill makes uh Bill makes a good statement. Now he's talking about what you do with your finances, right? But Bill has a good point. If you do what the Bible says, you will be crucified, not wealthy. You will be persecuted, not wealthy, if you follow God. I mean, uh, can't argue with that, Bill. As of Friday, or as of Monday morning, we got 13 more starting Monday morning. And um, Ramsey Solutions has turned into this thing, and it's a process over these years, teaching people how to handle money. Now, 50,000 churches have taught almost 10 million people Financial Peace University alone. I mean, it blows my mind what God has chosen to do. He says, it says in the Bible, he'll speak through a donkey, apparently. So, uh, That was funny the first time I heard it. Um, he calls himself a donkey. But also, what did he say there? Hold on. You're teaching people how to handle money now. 50,000 churches have taught almost 10 million people Financial Peace University alone. I mean, it blows my mind 
what God has chosen to do. He says, it says in the Bible, he'll speak through a donkey, apparently. So, so he talks about God choosing, choosing to do this. I wonder if uh, Dave Ramsey is a, is a Calvinist. Because, um, I mean, he's at least a Calvinist when it comes to money because God chose to do this with him and his business. Interesting. We're in. I'm in. This is good. So, so I got a bunch of youngsters on the team, and I, I love our youngsters. They are they're brilliant. So I know at one point he quotes Proverbs 28, 29, 18, and I, I don't know if he got to that yet. I'm worried I missed it. The average age in our team is about 27. People hate on this millennial generation. I got to tell you, millennials are amazing. I love the millennial generation. Um, because there's only two kinds, awesome and sucks. I mean, it's just, they either will, ch missional, driven, bright, will charge the gates of hell with a water pistol, or they're living in their mother's basement and ain't leaving. You know, it's one of the two. So... We, we, we got them on our team that are missional, driven, smarter than me, say words in meetings. I have to stop them and go, I'm sorry, but I'm pretty comfortable with my own skin. I own the place. What'd you just say? And so, I, I mean, they're smart, but sometimes, Papa Dave, I have to, I have to lead. And, and I was coming by one of them, and he was doing the stuff he was supposed to be doing wrong. And I was like, hey, that's not, don't do it. Do it this way. That's, that's not how we do it here at Ramsey. This is... This is a thing. It's an excellence thing. You got to do it right. And he's like, okay. And I come back about a week later and he's doing it wrong again. I'm like, hey, hey, now nah, we do it here. We do it this way. We talked about this. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I come back a week later. He's doing it wrong again. And I'm like, hey, we're going to set you free in Jesus name. Okay. <laughs> I mean, there's one, I'm telling you how to do this. And he looks at me and he says, I'm not like you. And I said, okay, change. You don't have to be like me, but you got to do it like I do it. This is the right way. Do it this way. Now, I will say that if your boss is extremely wealthy and successful and knows how to build wealth and generate wealth and he's teaching you how his company operates it may not be a I'm not like you situation Dave Ramsey is probably right on this issue you should do what he wants because he's your employer and also if it causes setbacks or anything and it doesn't work you're doing what your boss asked you to do and um this is one of the criticisms of dave ramsey but also i would say it's one of one of the things that I actually uh, like about him is that he will tell you how to do something. He will tell you what to do and it generally will work. He will teach you how to get out of debt. He will teach you all of these things. And he doesn't like it when you defer from his plan because he knows what works, right? And so he obviously would be like this with his employees as well. Do what works. And I, he has proven that it works. So just do what he says. I, I th think I generally agree with him. Change. And, you know, God does that with us. There's a thing in Christianity. If we're going the wrong way on something, God says, stop. Stop. This is called sin going this way. Or stupid going this way. And sometimes they're the same thing. And we're going this way. And then God says, stop. And we turn, change. And we go the other way. It's called repentance in Christianity, isn't it?
So I have very much seen this exact analogy from many different pastors where they'll actually physically show them walking and then they do a turnabout and they go, it's a change of mind. That's all repentance means. In its most basic form, repentance means change of mind. Sure. But when you actually look at what the Bible says about repentance, it is always a turning from sin. Whenever it says that they repented, look at what they repented of. It is always a sin. The Bible does not say, repent of your sins. What it says is repent. And then it will usually say things that they are doing that are sinful. Check it out. Prove me wrong if you want. But repentance is not just a change of mind. This is more of the non-lordship theology coming out from his, from his message. I was going the wrong way. I repent. I stop. I change direction. This isn't working. Continuing to do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. Stop and change. And you know what? He gives us the dignity and the power of choice that we can just decide. Change. You ever met someone that just quit smoking? I have. They didn't have anything. They didn't do any kind of program. And it's okay if you did a program or whatever. That's fine. But they just, they just said, no, I'm, I'm not doing it. He gives us the power to change. Um, if you have turned from your sin and repented and trusted in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you are indwelt with the Holy Spirit you have the ability to resist temptation because you now have God indwelling inside of you enabling you to do that enabling you to resist through the Holy Spirit um it's more than just having the power to quit smoking or whatever. I just quit. I've met people like that. Now, a lot of people do other stuff. That's okay. But you can just, with some things, certainly behaviors that we're doing, I can just, I'm not saying that to my wife ever again. I'm just going to change. It didn't work well when I said it last time. I'm not doing that again. So thank God the poor woman is not married to the same guy she married 40 years ago because I get the opportunity to change. Now, I haven't arrived, but I'm considerably better because I've had the opportunity to change. And it's a decision. You get to decide. No one decides that for you. Pastor doesn't decide it. Dave Ramsey doesn't decide it. You, you know, no one in Washington, D.C. for sure decides it for you. You get to decide when you're going to change. God won't even make you do it. He'll make you wish you did, but he will not make you do it. So there's five things. Based on that statement, I would say that he is not a Calvinist. Um, so he still hasn't gotten... So we're 27 to almost 28 minutes into this video, and he hasn't gotten to his five proven biblical money principles which is the name of the video he just mentioned the five points just now that are baseline in all the data that we have and the millions and millions of families we've interacted with that have changed and moved from high stress broke horrible situation with money to becoming wealthy over time and this is not this is not some kind of magical thing this is pretty much like, if you want corn, you should plant some corn. <laughs> if you're a farmer, you don't go out and pray over the mud. You put corn in the ground, you weed, fertilize, and then you reap what you have sown. So, you know, sometimes I meet my brothers and sisters in Christ who have been oversaved. 
and they're just standing over the mud praying. St. Ambrose. See, so he keeps equating this like if you are super spiritual, then you are you are dumb or you are like almost like a hyper Calvinist. Now he's obviously not making that comparison. That's me trying to articulate what he's saying, but it's like, this is the second time where he's equated being spiritual only as being dumb or like not keyed in on reality. Um, and so that wouldn't actually be spiritual. That would be stupid, right? If you're just praying over mud, you're not oversaved. You have bad theology. So you're definitely not oversaved. Not that that makes any sense, but that's a joke. But his joke points out what his theology is, 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 is saying. And what his theology is saying is that the more spiritual you are, uh, the more out of touch with reality you are on on its own, which that would be fake spirituality as far as I'm concerned. He said, work like it all depends on you, pray like it all depends on God. Where our faith meets our faithfulness is where all things are unleashed. Where our faith meets our faithfulness, all things are unleashed. See, I don't even know what he's saying there. You got to be faithful in the little things and then you'll be given more demands. You ever read that scripture? And so, you know, the first thing we got to do out of these five things, you start doing these five things, they will not fix your life by Friday. It won't happen. But I'll tell you what will happen. You'll walk a little straighter. It's like all of a sudden, you'll think a little clearer about the future instead of thank God it's Friday, oh God, it's Monday. And instead of saying thank God it's Friday, oh God, it's Monday, you start thinking about 10 years out because where there is no vision, the people perish. Okay, so there it is, uh, Proverbs 29, uh, 18. Um, you heard it. He's using that verse to talk about looking down the road and visualizing where you want to be in 10 years or something like that. Um, that is not what it's talking about at all. This is eisegesis. This is a misuse of the text. It's very common um, from churches like uh, Rick Warren's church, Elevation, all these bad ones. And we have Dave Ramsey using that same text and abusing it. It is not talking about looking down the road into the future and planning your future. Um, here's what it reads from the LSB. Where there is no vision, the people are out of control. But how blessed is he who keeps the law? So, what is interesting is the King James Version that he quotes there. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish perish is not a great translation um looking into that word it is talking about a constraint self-control um not being in control and so the lsb nails it here and says where there is no vision the people are out of control but how blessed is he who keeps the law so this is talking about prophetic vision if you look up this word, it is talking about prophecy or a vision or dream from God given to men to guide them, like what Isaiah is given, what Ezekiel is given, what um, what John is given um 
what John is given in Revelation is this. This word vision is like revelation. Of course, that's Greek in the, in the New Testament, and this is Hebrew, but you get my point. That's what this is talking about. This is not talking about looking ahead to the future. So let's hear him describe that again, just so we can hear it. And instead of saying, thank God it's Friday, oh God, it's Monday, you start thinking about 10 years out, because where there is no vision, the people perish. You want corn, you got to have a vision, put corn in the ground. He's also misusing that word perish, right? If you don't do what you need to do, you're going to die, like this proverb says. But again, it is actually talking about restraint there. There is no restraint on the people. And it'll be spring before you see it that far. And it'll be fall before you get corn. So if you want microwave, you probably shouldn't talk to God because he's more in the crockpot business. Occasionally he just microwaves it, but that's seldom and we call those miracles because they're seldom. Most of the time he's dealing with us to get us right and then the corn comes in and we got the muscles to carry it. Most of the time that's what's going on. See, and I would agree that uh, I don't know. Would I agree? I would agree that God is teaching you to provide for you and your family. And generally speaking, there are going to be blessings that come from doing the right thing. So I'm not like, it's not all bad, but that's the point is that there's truth mixed in with error. There's always truth mixed in with error. Just like the show The Chosen. There's a process, in other words, that's vitally important. The first thing you got to do if you want to win with money is you have to get on a budget. A written game plan. Jesus said, don't build a tower without first counting the cost, lest you get halfway up and all who see you began to mock you and say, this man began to build and was unable to finish. My friend Zig Ziglar used to say, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. My friend John Maxwell says, a budget is people telling their money what Hold on, Zig Ziglar. What to do instead of wondering where it went. If you manage money for a company called You Incorporated and you manage money for You Incorporated the way you manage money for you now, would you fire you? Don't answer that. <laughs> if you're not a faithful steward... We have a clear example in the parable of the talents that God is going to take the money from you and give it to the one who did manage it well, the one who planted corn and tended to the field instead of stood back and watched it rain on the mud. Please don't be disorganized, living chaotically and impulsively with the maturity of a four-year-old on the cereal aisle having a fit on purchases. And then expect God to bless it when you say, Lord, send me money. He will not send you money. It's in Scripture. Faithful with the little things, then I will give you more. My son's a grown man now. He's an executive on our team. So obviously he's talking about the parables. Um, um, I didn't look up all those verses because I just had time to look up the ones that he actually directly quoted. Well, and like, yeah, but I, I just, <sighs> I want to go more in depth into this stuff because there is a principle there. Like, what does he say there? How does he do that? Hold on the cereal aisle, having a fit on purchases. And then expect God to bless it when you say, Lord, send me money. He will not send you money. It's in Scripture. So he says it's in Scripture. I would love to know what he's referencing. Tell, tell us the verse you're referencing. Where is it that it's in Scripture that God will not send you money? I just want to know. Faithful with the little things, then I will give you more. My, my son's... So is that what he's referring to? The faithful and the little things, then God will give you more? Um, 
but I mean, people win the lottery all the time and then they, they blow it all. So God does give some people mass amounts of money without them being trained to be faithful for it. So God can and does send people money. Uh, but it, I would also agree, though, that uh, things go really, really poorly uh, if you haven't been faithful in the little things. So I'm not totally sure if he's completely wrong on this or just a little bit wrong or if he's nailing this section. I don't know. I don't know everything, guys. In fact, I don't know a lot. I know very little even. A grown man now. He's an executive on our team and is an absolutely fabulous world-class leader. When he was a kid, he was 14 years old. He comes in one day. He says, Daddy, I want a new Corvette when I turn 16. And I said, no, because I'm a loving father. I've seen you drive. You're incompetent. If I put you in a 400-horsepower fiberglass body, 0 to 60 in 2.7 seconds, you'll kill yourself and someone else. No. I answered his prayer as a loving father. No. I said, you will be getting an old Chevette with a tired gerbil under the hood. And my son, when you are faithful with the little things, like you polish that thing, you change its oil, it doesn't come home full of McDonald's boxes because you keep it clean. You pull it up to the curb properly. You don't leave our house on two wheels. Wheels. Um, yeah, I mean, I would agree with this, right? Um, if I could afford to buy my kids a nice car, uh, I wouldn't right off the bat because I want them to learn to take care of something cheap first when you take care of the little things we'll talk about moving you up that's what god says all the time when you're faithful in the little things you'll be given more to manage it's all in scripture parable of the talents indicates that the mind of man plans his ways but the lord directs his steps all of this is in there a loving father is not going to give you something you can't handle because it'll crush you be on a budget the second thing we have to do is we need to get out of debt. Now, you knew Dave Ramsey was going to say that. The rich rules over... So is that his first two points are be on a budget and avoid debt? The poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Hey, they put up a Bible verse. Proverbs 22.7. Hey, cool. That's awesome. We're carrying around so much student loan debt that we think Sally Mae's a family member. I mean, I agree with this. You should not be in debt. Debt is bad. Don't talk about good debt to me. I don't care. Because if you look at Dave Ramsey's story, when he was flipping houses, the argument would have been, well, that's good debt. And then all of a sudden, it wasn't good debt when he had to pay it back. <clears throat> so I'm probably going to agree with these points. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> we have master card. Who named that? The borrower's slave and he's my master. Look at that. And it's tough to serve two masters because you'll love one and hate the other. I worship at the altar of the great FICO score, but my tithe is not up to date. So... I just noticed this on the YouTube videos. You have chapter sections and they're named. So we're in point to avoid debt. Um, he worships at the altar of his um, FICO score, which would be like if you're in Canada, that's your um, like your credit rating. Um, and then he says, but my tithe's not up to date. First of all, New Testament, I don't want to get too into this, but there is no call to tithe in the New Testament. We give out of the abundance of our heart. And realistically, that should probably direct us to be more generous than just giving 10%. Um, but it depends on your situation. You want to give faithfully 
to your church to support your pastor and the ministry of your church. But there is no call to tithe, a 10% tithe. But I would agree with him that if you're spending money like a dummy and then you don't have money to give to church, that is wrong. Sharon and I saw this and we said, no more, we're done. And we got the scissors out and we said, okay, we're going to light a little candle here and we're going to have... His props are very dramatic and they're good. Now all of a sudden he's serious and the pin is like, you can hear a pin drop in there all of a sudden. A plastectomy. We're going to have plastic surgery because... What's in your wallet, money? Okay, those look like real credit cards, first of all. Um, and those look exactly like the scissors that are on the cover of his book. Um, um, yeah, I see like a real MasterCard. We're going to have plastic surgery because what's in your wallet, money? (laughs) Airline miles. Oh, good. We did the largest study of millionaires ever done in North America two years ago. Over 10,000 millionaires that we studied. 89% of them became millionaires without, without using an inheritance to become a millionaire. Nine out of 10 of them became millionaires on their own. You know how many of them made their money off of airline miles? Zero, precisely. He can recite that thing verbatim anytime he wants. He has that whole little sh- like shtick memorized. I'm sure it's true. Discover freedom. (laughs) You're weird, Ramsey. I know, but normal's broke. I don't want to be normal. Even his scissors are dramatic. They're like huge scissors. They look old, though, if you look at the handle. I bet you he keeps those scissors around. They might even be the ones he cut up his own credit cards with. And if you can't see, because you're listening to this, he's obviously cutting up credit cards with giant scissors. Um, I, I can't disagree with all these things that he teaches after. I can't say I disagree with them. They're, they're good, helpful things. It's the theology. It's what he believes about who God is. His motivation is different, I think. At least it seems like it. You, you mean you don't have any credit cards? No, I hadn't any credit cards. Start with, I went bankrupt, they wouldn't give me any. And then later on, they started handing them out like candy again, you know, and we didn't take any because we were through. We figured out the borrower's slave to the lender. We, don't, we figured out if we don't have any payments, you know what we got? Money. Well, that's weird. You don't have any credit cards? No, that's my wallet. Green president's faces, four pieces of plastic, my debit card on my business, my debit card on my personal, my driver's license, and my handgun carry permit. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) Rednecks in North Carolina, too. Okay. Okay, so he's obviously got three more points to go through, and we're not going to do that. Um... I think the point has been proven that his theology is terrible. Um, Mostly in the first video we saw that. But realistically, it's his use of Bible verses out of context that are bad. But, um, here, sorry, let's, let's, let's do this. Um, but if you follow these steps, if you follow his baby steps, if you follow his, his advice on not being in debt and budgeting, you will give yourself a raise. That is the best way to put it. But that being said, the original point of going over this stuff was, was what? He, he preached a sermon. This is a sermon that he's preaching at a church on a Sunday instead of them doing, like having a real sermon. And so that in of itself is wrong. Um, 
this should not be the Sunday morning message at all. And um, with that, guys, uh, we're over an hour. Um, if you want to go hear his other three points, or if you want to talk to me about getting out of debt, Actually, forget it. Just go read The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Go get pumped up and get yourself out of debt. But use discernment when listening to anything because he is word of faith. He does have terrible theology. And he's apparently uh, a non-lordship view of salvation kind of guy. And so with that, guys, I will see you next week.